would you tell those people if you were never going to get to talk to them again? What if it was the last conversation you were ever going to have with anybody? And I thought about that for a minute because I never had that thought before. Um, but I know this, as I started to think about it, I wouldn't be talking about the weather. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be wondering what, what political party you were involved in or uh, wanting to talk about whether you were vaccinated or not. <laughs> you know, because what's about to happen, if somebody's going, if you or me is going to heaven soon, it's not going to matter what color you were or what, how tall or short or, or mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the thing that's going to matter is, are you going to be with God forever and all his people in a magnificent place where Jesus himself has gone away to prepare a mansion for you? And my father's house and many amazing forever in the presence of God, or are we going into a burning lake of fire for all eternity? Because you wouldn't be pussyfooting around. In that conversation, you'd be talking about one thing, if you love the Lord. And so we're here tonight to do nothing else. We don't have any opinions that are going to affect your life. We're just people just like you. We're not some hotshot preacher or anything. We just are thankful to be born again, thankful to not be guilty, thankful to be on our way to heaven. And, and by the way, thankful to be enjoying the trip. Yeah. I'm not waiting until I get there. I'm having, you know, Jesus said, pray this way, that it'll be on earth as it is in heaven. Wouldn't that be amazing if it was at your house the way it is in heaven? Yeah. And that's why we study this book every day. Now, I'm going to read this off my phone because I didn't bring my Bible with me. If you'll give me just a second. This is uh, Ephesians 5th chapter. She was talking about a while ago. Therefore become, verse 1, therefore become imitators of God. This is the amplified version. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father and walk continually in love. That is, value one another. And if we can do that, man, we're on, I mean, God is love. If we can share him with each other tonight, then it didn't matter where you come from or where I come from because we're going to get to spend eternity together and every day is going to get better. You invested your money, you invested your time. Let's get something back from God. The Word of God will profit us tonight. Mm-hmm. This can be the best investment. I mean, if your marriage is in trouble, obviously you need to be here. But if your, mar- if your marriage is good, let's get it great. Yeah. If it's great, let's get it ridiculous because <laughs> that's what God's willing to do. Yeah. God has shed his love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. There's no reason we can't love each other. And especially my precious wife of all the people on the earth. I mean, God knows what a weird person I am. Now, I I started to say we are, but I'm not going to blame that on y'all. I'll take it. But there was but one person on the earth that he had prepared her whole life to be with this, into this situation. Because it's unique, you know. And for her to, it's one thing for me to love her. That's amazing. But for her to love me, that's astounding. God has done that. He has shed his love abroad in her heart and and mine. So I don't have to love her with my love. I can love her with the love of God. 
And she can do that for me. You have to do that by faith, of course. But she can do that for me. And you talk about holy matrimony. You know what? If you've ever been in ministry and you've ever had to counsel anybody about marriage, they come for one reason. The husband wants the preacher to tell the wife to change. And the wife wants the husband to change. So you know what I mean? They come in there, and, and, the, and the poor preacher is stuck in the middle, man. He, he can't win. All we can tell you is what God said. If we stick to that, it's going to get good. How many of you believe God has power? So there's only one issue. Can, is it possible to do this? God, wouldn't say, God doesn't play church. God is not a clown or a joker. If he says, imitate him like a father, like a child, a much-loved child imitates his father, that's possible to do that. It's possible to imitate God. And by the way, the Bible says once we were, one of these days we'll see Jesus as he really is, and then we'll actually be like him. We won't be imitating him. We'll be just like him. Glory to God. So I want to pray with you, and we're going to open up the Word here and, and share some things with you. I don't know how much time we got. Uh, we got to go to Ohio, so we, we didn't, can't come back tomorrow. And I told Pastor, I don't know how late you can stay, but I don't want to, I'm not trying to get out of here. I came here to, uh, to accomplish the assignment the Holy Spirit gave me. And that means there's some people who have some questions and some hurts that need to be healed and some information that they need to receive. The Word of God, uh, or what the Bible calls revelation, it's just holy information. And when you get that holy information, then you can make good choices. And those good choices will make the quality of your life better. And that's the will of God. And of course, that'll make your marriage better. It'll make any relationship you have better. Will you pray with me? Will you join your faith with me, please? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, sir. Lord, we have no agenda of our own. We just come to receive instructions, correction if we need it. Lord, we ask for a door of utterance to be opened unto us by your Holy Spirit. We're not asking you to just be our invited guest or honored guest. We're asking you to take over. We're asking you to be in control, Holy Spirit. You can take my voice and put your words in it and your power in it. And so I submit to you, God. I ask you to fill my mind and my wife's minds and hearts and mouths with your thoughts. And I ask you to Give the answers that are needed to these precious sons and daughters of yours. I ask you, Lord, to anoint us. You said the anointing destroys the yoke and removes the burden. And so we proclaim it, we decree it, and we establish it, and we expect it, and we praise you for it. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Um, We're just going to open up with a couple of scriptures here. We got a bunch of them. We, I don't know how long you can stay. Pastor, I, I think I told him, would, anyway, we'll stay as long as you need to. And if you got to go, you got to go. That's cool. You know, we're, if, you, if you get up and walk, we understand. But if you want to stay, we're going to try to, we've got too much. We actually had, this is crazy, we had 14 pages typewritten. We realized this is crazy. This was take a week. We got them down to five. We got them down to four today. That's as low as I could go. So there's no way we're going to get it all in here. There's no way. But we're going to try. We're going to go as fast. I've asked God to help me. I'm real laid back. I'm real laid back. Intentionally. 
Uh, before I got born again, I was a rock and roll musician. Lots of chemically induced years. Does anybody know what I'm, I hope you don't know what I'm talking about, but you know, life went really fast. A lot of cocaine, a lot of speed, a lot of things that make you go fast. When I got born again, I just put the, I had not been stoned since 1980, but I put the brakes on. I just said, life's flying, I'm slowing things down. And so I'm real laid back. Now my wife, she can rock. But between the two of us, we're going to try to cover a lot of ground. We want to go, we want to be intimate with you. We don't want to be somebody that just came into your life and disappeared. We want to, if you'll let us, be your brother and sister. And that means you've got to trust the Lord because nobody's going to ask questions in a setting with a whole bunch of people that are embarrassing. And if your marriage is not doing good, that's embarrassing. I have been through a divorce. I met my first wife in a bar. I wasn't born again. I, I, you know how that, I reap what I sowed. This is a long story short. But 24 years ago, I met Christy, and it's been the most amazing 24 years. But I had to start over, and you learn what a horrible thing a divorce is. It's a horrible. It's the great failure. I mean, it's just horrible. And so, if you will, we, uh, if you have a question, we'll get to it eventually. If we don't, just let us know somehow. You can raise your hand or you can make notes and we'll, 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 we'll teach a little while and maybe we'll take time questions maybe for a few minutes. If you'll write down any, anything you want to know, we'll just go for it. We'll just uh, go for it like we're a family. Amen. You want to go first, babe? Mm-hmm. Cool. He just gave me a thought, but I better save it because he's on a roll. <laughs> Well, we're just, again, I want to encourage you. Hebrews 4, 2, he quoted this to you briefly. In order for the word to profit or benefit your life, that verse explains to us that we need to join our faith with the word that we hear. So what's important for you to understand is we never join our faith Mm. with man's opinion. Because our opinion will not change your life. But the truth of God's word will. So just have ears to ear here. I encourage you tonight. Get ready. That's what Jesus said. The word of God is for those who have ears to hear. So when we hear counsel, this is in Proverbs 19:20, and it's one of my very favorite verses that the Lord gave me 24 years ago when I married Mylan. Hear counsel, receive instruction, and accept correction. And here's the reward that you may be wise in the time to come. Wow. Wisdom for the time to come. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Holy Spirit, that's his job is to reveal to us the things which are to come. Well, how does that wisdom come? And by the way, you know, wisdom is the principal thing. God said it's the most important thing mm. we need if we're going to live in victory in these days is wisdom, his wisdom. So how do we get there? We hear counsel. We receive instruction. Then we receive what we're hearing. Mm. We don't resist it. We receive it. Amen. And then if that requires correction, we accept that correction. Yes. And, you know, that's where a lot of, I know most of us, we don't like to talk about correction because, you know, the flesh always thinks it's doing just fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to remind you, this is what the Lord always reminds me, is that our destiny People are always praying, what's my destiny, Lord? Here it is, Romans 8, 29. Our destiny is to be changed, not stay the same, changed into the image of the Son of God. 
Now, every time, if that's my standard, every time I compare myself to Jesus, I need to change. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? I mean, because we all can come up. I always can come up higher in love, higher in peace, higher in joy. Amen? So that's why it's so important to get ready to receive even the correction that the Lord may present to you through his word tonight. And there's a great reward, again, wisdom for the time to come because the Lord knows what's ahead. Mm. He knows what you need to get tonight for what you're about to face tomorrow. So will you say this after me? I hear the counsel of God. I hear the counsel of God. And I receive his instruction. And I receive his instruction. And I gladly accept his correction. And I gladly accept his correction. That I may be wise. That I may be wise. In the time to come. In the time to come. Amen. Now you Amen. May, may not be used to making a confession, but the word says we believe and therefore we speak. So by the way, you're already speaking what you believe. And if you want things to change, we need to start making our words align with God's word, right? That's what we want to see come to pass, Ooh, right? Good, so we believe and therefore we speak. So that's why I led you in that confession. Can I, can I share something real sure. quick? Um, change is one of those things Einstein said that yeah. real insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. <laughs> So if we came into this room or any day we get up in the morning and we're willing to change, then things have a, it's at least possible to get better. How many of you know nothing can get better without change? Right. If it stays the same, it's not better. It's got to change. Now, what we know about God is he never changes. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, we also know that Satan is not getting saved this month. Does him, will anybody agree? The devil is bad. God good, devil bad. That right. never changes. That never changes. So if you wanted to get better at your house or in your marriage, guess who's got to change? Will you say out loud with me, I'm willing to change, God. I'm willing to change, God. Help me, Father. Help me, Father. This is going to be a good day if you said that in a minute. And let me say this also, please, and then I'll, we'll get in the Word. I, I told you, I told you, this is the way it happens. This is why it takes so long. I, but it's good. Here's what God told me a long time ago. I grew up in a Christian family. We went to church every time. My granddaddy was a preacher. He was what they call hellfire and brimstones. Anybody old enough to remember those? That's God. You know, he, did, he got this rhythm thing going. And when he got really humping and pumping and, and spitting, then people would take up. It was a Pentecostal church. Us, us five, six, eight-year-olds, we called it the Christian Olympics. Because when granddaddy got his rhythm going, he got an umba, umba going. Then running man take off. And then when the screaming guy jump up, then chicken woman jump up, start doing the chicken. You know? <laughs> and it was on. Then is there a man for himself? And you just a little kid hoping they don't land on you. That's all. That was a good Sunday if nobody landed on you. And I grew up obviously with a lot of questions about this is some strange stuff, you know, what, what? And I'd ask my mama, mama, what's going on? Why does I, so, you know, when your granddad is a preacher, you kenned about 40% of the church. And so 
And also, when you're a little kid, adults think you're stupid. So they say things around you. I mean, you're standing right there. It's like you don't have a brain, you know. But you're hearing all this stuff. And you know what ain't so-and-so does on Sunday morning, but you also know what she does on Friday night. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> Which is, that's confusing. If it's, not, if it's not consistent, you have questions when you're a child. And I would ask questions, what's up with the Holy Ghost? You know, he got to blame for everything. Every weird thing that anybody did, the Holy Ghost got to blame. So I thought the Holy Ghost was weird. Now, I'm not making fun of the Holy Ghost because he's my best friend. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I needed the Holy Spirit more than anything I needed. We need the Lord. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. But when I was a kid, I couldn't figure out what that meant. I thought, if I accept the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have to jump up and down to the chicken. Woo, you know, and, and uh, run up and holler and scream, scare kids. And I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to do that. I told God, if I want to go to heaven, I believe Jesus is your son. I don't want to go to hell. But if it's okay with you, I'm going to pass on that Holy Ghost thing. Because... <laughs> When I would ask questions, there were a lot of people at my church that didn't have any answers. And unfortunately, I was kin to most of them. And they were the people I was asking. So we went to church all the time. We had tremendous amounts of religion. But did, how much Jesus did we have? Because according to him, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And since we didn't read it much, and granddaddy, when you preach all that hellfire and brimstone, basically you're preaching against drinking, against smoking, against running women who do, you know, you're, you're against everything. But what about the love of God, there? the goodness of God that draws men to repentance? Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't get that. I couldn't get much information about that. And so I made a lot of mistakes. And I ended up going into a rock and roll band and just wasting a lot of years. And I got really, I almost died from a heroin overdose, to make a long story short. I got born again in 19, uh, 1980. I shouldn't say I got born again. I was already born again. I just wasn't living it. I wasn't doing it. So I didn't have any power in my life. I didn't ever read the word. I never changed anything. I just kept living like the devil and asking God to bless me and forgive me. That's called religion. But in 1980, I gave up. I surrendered my will to God. And he became, Jesus became the Lord, not just my Savior. He didn't just receive my, I didn't just give him my problems and my sins. I gave him my life. I gave him my hopes and dreams and my marriage and my money, my music. Anything in my life that I thought was mine, that I thought was valuable, I gave it to him that day. And I had to start over, 35 years old. First time I ever read the Bible in my life was that year. I read the whole Bible that year. I got a Bible. Somebody gave me a living Bible. It was the first time I could ever. It, King James has got words in it. You can't even, they're not even in the dictionary, some of them. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to figure out what's he talking about, you know. Do I really want to bring in the sheaves? I don't even know what a sheave is. I might not <laughs> want to bring any of those in. You know, I had to figure out, and you do too. Jesus said, wisdom is the most important, or principal thing. Mm -hmm. 
Therefore, seek wisdom. But with your seeking of wisdom, get understanding. That's the practical application of God's Word to your life. And the practical application of God's Word to your marriage is like baking a cake. If you follow the rules, if you get a good recipe and you do exactly what it says, exactly what it says, you'll have a great cake. Mm -hmm. You can't mess up if God is honest. Now, if there's a joker making the cake mix and he puts pickles in the cake, it might not be so good. <laughs> but that's not what the word, that, that's why I said all that to say this. Do you really believe that God is honest? Because that's super important. Does God love you enough to fix your marriage? Or are we wasting time tonight? Is this just a religious exercise? If so, it's better than getting drunk, I guess. But I won't play church. I will not do it. I have seen God do so many miracles in so many people's lives, especially in mine. Men, oh, it's a, I had a bad temper. And nobody ever said I shouldn't have. Everybody just accepted it. And when you have a bad temper, there's, there's, it's caused by unforgiveness. Unforgiveness causes bitterness. And unforgiveness is left to, to just boil in you. It causes a rage. I mean, you see people road rage. They're just ready to go off just like that anytime, anywhere, because there's so much anger in them for so long. And one day it just blows up, man, and you get crazy. And, and, and I was that guy. And a lot of people get hurt because you, you're not necessarily violent physical, but you're verbally violent. And there's times when it's just... So the bottom line is I knew I needed to change, and I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know if I had the discipline or not. I know I, I tried to quit smoking. I couldn't. I tried to quit heroin, heroin. I couldn't. There were so many things that I was addicted to. When I got born again, I asked God for help. And he started over. And he started working on me. And if we're going to get our marriages right, in order for me to be a good husband, I had to change. Because in the first marriage, I got some bad habits. And uh, so if we're ready to do that, and we believe God's out the answers, let me read one of them to you. Therefore, this is uh, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The rock is the word of God, the truth. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them, everybody that reads the Bible or hears it being taught that does not believe it enough to, to obey and to do it, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, I built that house. I lived in that house. I built a mansion on the sand. I was in a rock and roll band, and we sold five million records, and we, I wrote all those songs and produced those records, and I made a lot of money. And I really thought, when I was a kid, I lived in a trailer. We were raised in extreme poverty. And going to college was not an option. I got out of high school, went straight in the Army. In those days, they had draft chief, he didn't join. And uh, 
But while I was in the army, I was seeking the Lord for help because I knew he was the only one that could. And he gave me a song called Without Him. And Elvis cut that song. I was 17 years old. And I was in the army. And Elvis was the biggest star in the world in those days. And all of a sudden, this guy uh, cut one of my songs. And then right after that, Johnny Cash, a, bu- a bunch of other people heard that I was a songwriter. And they started calling and saying, you got any more songs? I was like, give me 200 minutes. What do you want a song about? You know, that's who I am. That's what I do. I, I, I go in dreams, you know. And so God started to bless that. And I thought when I was a kid, if I ever made enough money where I could go where I want to go and do what I want to do and hang out with who I want to hang out with and drive what I want to drive and live where I want to live, it'll be euphorically happy. Well, that was a lie. But I believed it. And that's what deception is. And the good thing about God is when you get, when you get this word and you start doing his word, you built your house on the sand, then the flood comes. You notice the flood came? It comes to every house. There is no marriage that the flood doesn't come, that the storm doesn't come against. And by the way, if it hadn't come to your house yet, it's brewing. It's guaranteed. It's just a test. And if you don't pass it, though, it's horrible. When that, when that mention came down on the sand, it was a mess. It was depressing and discouraging, and there wasn't enough dope in Texas to make me feel good about it. The good news is, we don't ever have to go through that again. All we got to do is make the cake. We got the recipe now, right? Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) Um, Go ahead, baby. Why don't you take that from there? I just wanted to start off that way. I know I went quite a while, but thank you for letting me. Um, No, that was awesome. Y'all are still, y'all don't know our testimony, so we're going to share that throughout the evening with the teaching. So I thought that was awesome. You know, Satan is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes, Lord. So it's important that we all testify, right, and tell people what Jesus has done for us. So what I like to point out here is what kept the house built on the rock that withstood every storm is those who heard the word and did it. Yeah. Is it that simple? Yep. You know, this is not complicated. Praise mm-hmm. God. You don't have to be a physicist or a nuclear scientist to understand the Word of God or an engineer or all that because I wouldn't get it. <laughs> so I'm so thankful that the Lord makes it simple. He makes it simple. So on this, we hear the Word and we do it. Um, the thing that I think is important for me to share with you is that God is the creator of covenant. Marriage is all about covenant. And he is the architect of holy matrimony. And the only way we can have a good marriage is with him in control. That's the only way. The only way we're going to have a good anything, good health, good family, good finances, God has to be in control. And I mean by that his word, where we're submitted to trust and obey, for there's no other way. Amen. To be happy in Jesus. So God is the creator of covenant. One thing that stopped all the arguments in our home was we're no longer negotiating for control. And that was a big one. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is in control because we have made the word of God final authority. And that's what hearing the word and doing it is all about. You'll only do that if you both agree that the word is final authority whether you understand it or not. 
So many times we obey, we just obey by faith. And as you take that step of faith, the revelation begins to unfold and understanding and insight and discernment comes. But that step of faith of obedience will always be required first. So God is the creator of covenant. Mylon and I have decided we're no longer fighting for the last word. The word of God is the final word yeah. in our home. And, and I started to say this earlier, if you'll let me please. Mm-hmm. If you've been in the ministry, you know that when people come to you for counseling, uh, they're always, the problem always comes down to she wants it her way and he wants it his way. It's over control right. 100% of the time. And this may sound oversimplification, but we found out that when the Holy Spirit's in control, we got nothing to argue about. Mm-hmm. If he's in control, I'm not. And she's not. And we both, it's like a giving contest. Everybody wins in a giving contest. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. And also, we hold each other accountable to the word. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we help each other. We remind each other. Um, one of the things we'll say, if, if one of us says something that we know is not in agreement with the Word of God, then we just later in private say, you know what? I heard what you said, and, and we're, that's not what we're believing for. <laughs> this, <laughs> you're giggling, but this is what, right? It's usually what she says. I'm, <laughs> I'm usually the one that said something stupid. And this is an amazing thought. She'll say, it's not what we're believing. In other words, she'll take half the blame, even though I'm the one that did it. <laughs> but that helps me to accept it. And I know she's right. And I need that. That's a blessing, man. It, it keeps me from being a hypocrite. And that's what re- creates religion. Religion yeah. is a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. The description of religion is, you know, you hang out under the staple, the steeple, you get a, you get a choir robe, and uh, you do all the religion. You speak in King James, you do all the stuff, but when somebody gets cancer, nothing happens. Everybody prays, but it's like, come on, Jesus. Maybe we'll get lucky this time. Maybe he'll do something holy. No, no, that's not faith. Faith is, if God said it, he will do it. If he can find somebody that believes he's honest. Some people have a lot of hope and not much faith. They hope. It's like going to Vegas. You go to Vegas, you pull that one-armed bandit, put your dollar in there, you hope you get three lemons. But that ain't, you can never believe you're going to. You can't have faith in that. You can just hope. That's not the way it is with the Bible. Mm-hmm. If God said it, there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible, and they are yes. The, if you ask God to do one of those promises, the answer is yes and amen. God has never said, no, you want to get born again? You want to repent and, and ask God to forgive your sin? God's never said, no, I don't like you. <laughs> I saw what you did last Thursday, and I ain't forgiving you. It, won't ever ha- it never has happened. It won't. Those 7,000 promises are yes and amen. And if he can find somebody, Jesus said, anything's possible. If I can just find somebody who really believes that I'm God and that I can do anything. And uh, I believe you do. So that's cool. This is good. Uh, fact, by the way, faith comes from here. And these scriptures we're hearing, we will not leave here the same. It will be different tomorrow than it was yesterday. 
It'll be good. Go Amen. ahead, babe. And so the first decision is that you both have to get an agreement that your home is going to be built on the rock. Yeah. That you're going to hear the word and do it. You know, James says if we hear the word and we don't do it, we deceive ourselves. Yeah. Now, the way Mylon says it is we don't even need the devil to deceive us. We deceive ourselves mm. if we don't do the word we hear. But that person who commits to be a doer of the word, James says, he will be blessed in his life of obedience. It opens the door for you to experience the blessing at a level you've never known before with this one simple choice that you're going to hear and obey. And if you'll help each other in that, I'm telling you, your marriage will go to the next level. When you get an agreement that the word of God is final authority, it will mm. stop all the arguments. That's right. Now let's go there on arguments and division and strife, because this is what the enemy uses. What he's after is the power of our agreement. Here's one thing that I'm always amazed when we've counseled couples over the years and all of these points that we're presenting with you tonight, the couples that we counseled either made it or ended up in divorce over the decisions they made on these verses we're sharing exactly. with you. Exactly. So for many of you, this is a crossroads moment. Your marriage could go either way based on what you choose tonight. So I encourage you to choose life. Yes. To choose obedience. And when it comes to division and strife, what the enemy's after, he's after the power of your agreement. That's right. Because Jesus said, when you come together in agreement, it shall be done mm. by my Father in heaven. Yeah. So he knows your prayers will be powerful and effective in the earth, and you can stop his work, and you can walk in the fullness of your call and affect everyone you encounter for Jesus. Now, how can I say that, your marriage? Because your marriage is to be a reflection of Christ in the church. When others look at your marriage, are they seeing Jesus? That's a high call. Mm -hmm. But praise God, by the grace of God, we can do it. Because when we make the choice to obey, the hardest part is taking the first step. Yeah. The hardest part is saying, yes, Lord. So when you take that step, what's amazing is God's grace enables you to do what you could not do before the moment you made that decision to obey. So I encourage you tonight to just be ready to receive what the Spirit of God is saying. There, and there are two personality traits <laughs> that are dangerous when it comes to getting, you know, the Bible, Jesus said in, in John 31, uh, John 8, mm -hmm. 31 and 32, and 32. Yeah. he said, continue in my word. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Every time you read it or go to church and study it, you're continuing in the Word of God. It's not a book. There are thousands, tens and hundreds of thousands of books, but there's only one that God wrote. This book is the actual words of God going into people's hearts, and they wrote it down so you and I could read it and talk and say it. And release that power that created light. I mean, it's so powerful when God said, let there be light, the darkness fled. And it's still that powerful. It doesn't matter if it comes out of your mouth or his mouth as long as you've got faith in him and in his word. It's powerful. But it won't work for you if you don't believe it or if you're ashamed of it. 
Don't be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. Hey, listen. The power of God is what makes Christianity fun. Mm -hmm. There's nothing fun about going to a church where there's no power. It is so disappointing. It is so discouraging. It is so frustrating. But if you're kicking the devils behind every day, that's fun. If you're seven feet tall and you got big hops, you you can dunk on anybody anytime you want. Playing basketball is really fun. But if you little short, fat guy, white guy, you know he can't sh- dribble, can't shoot. Basketball's not much fun. If the devil's eating your lunch every day, being a Christian's miserable. Right. But if you got the power of God flowing through your life, and this is the way you do it, mm-hmm. once you decide the Bible's true, it's real simple. I'm gonna say this one time, but this is please. If you're ever gonna take a note, you ought to write this down. What got Satan, Lucifer actually used to be in heaven and worshiped God face to face. He actually knows God. He was in heaven, and the Bible says one day he decided, I've been giving you enough glory, I want some of it. And he rebelled against God. He, a third of the angels rebelled with him. And he said he was going to take over. That was his goal, and it still is. And that rebellion was caused because of one thing pride. That was the first sin. And it will ruin your life. God said pride goes before a fall. Now you can pride, you can say, no, it won't, won't happen to me. Proud people always say that. But it always goes before a fall. Mm-hmm. Not sometimes, every time. You want to have a good marriage? The worst enemy you got is pride. If two people will humble themselves and say, God, we have not done it the right way. We don't have all the matrimony. It's not your fault. We're not blaming on the devil. We did not do what you told us to do. Those people, God, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So anytime somebody humbles themselves, the power is coming. Amen. The grace of God. The ability to do what you couldn't do until God put his grace mm-hmm. on you. He put his super on your natural. That's right. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's when Christianity gets fun. That's when you don't have to preach it, people. They just want what you got because they can see it's a real thing. And all of a sudden, the, the anointing of the living God becomes contagious. People start sharing it. They start receiving it, and they start sharing it with each other, and it's exponential in your life. It's amazing. Good, baby. I just need to say that. Pride does this too. Let me say this, please. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I did it again. Sorry. Pride, it not only goes before fall, but people who are proud always have this. Who do you think you are telling me what to do? They're always easily offended. Right. Pride causes you to be easily offended. But if you're a mature Christian, here's what God said about mature Christians. Great peace have they who love thy law. The the word of God is the law of God. In the Old Testament. Great peace. The prince of peace. My peace I give unto you. That prince. He said, I'll give you great peace if you will not be offended. Great peace have they who love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Now there, you'll know whether you're proud or not if you ever get offended. And I will tell you, I'm 77 years old, and I would love to tell you I don't get offended anymore. It's just not true. 
I, I act like I'm not offended sometimes because I know it's a sin and I'm not supposed to. But there's people who have done said things to me that was, it was offensive. And I had to get over it and I had to forgive them quick. Mm-hmm. You know, God's slow to anger and quick to forgive. Mylon's needs to keep growing up in God. Amen. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. And that verse he just gave you is Psalm 119, verse 165. Mm-hmm. If you're taking notes, I, I love that verse. Great peace. Amen. Have they who love your law. Now, the reason why this is so important, both of you getting in agreement to refuse, absolutely refuse to be offended, is because Mark 3.25 says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. That's Mark 3.25. If division and strife is allowed in the home, the home will not stand. Division is the opposite of love. Mm-hmm. Faith works by love. And your faith won't work if you get out of love and get in strife. If you're fussing and fighting all day, your faith won't work. Yeah. And then you're fighting the devil with no power. And he will win that fight. Yeah, that's it. That's good. Um, I'm going to... Do you need to cover anything else? No, that's good, baby. <clears throat> Excuse me, because we're jumping around a little bit, so... We're letting the Lord lead us, and we're flowing a little different than our we've notes never, are set up. Yeah, we've never done this before. <laughs> so, okay. Um, this other verse I think is important is Ephesians four twenty six through 27. Now, again, the reason why we're giving you so much word is because that's what you need to join your faith with. Yes. Right? That's what's going to last. That's what you're going to stand on when the storm comes. You stand on the rock of God's word. So it's important for you to join your faith with the word. Uh, Be angry, it says, and do not sin. So God understands there's going to be times where there's anger involved, righteous indignation. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So this verse is letting us know if we let the sun go down on our wrath, then we have opened the door for the devil to have entrance to steal, kill, and destroy because that's all the devil does. Jesus said, I have come that you would have abundant life, but the thief comes, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. So we want to shut the door on the devil. Yes. Amen. So the way we do that is here it says we do not allow the sun to go down on our wrath. Mm. Now I'm going to give you an example. There have been times Literally, he and I have stayed up all night (laughs) in a discussion, which is my nice word for a fuss, (laughs) all night, literally the sun coming up and it took us all night to get back in agreement in obedience to this verse to not let the sun go down on our, on our wrath. And so I encourage you in this to absolutely refuse to give place to the devil through division and strife. And refuse to be offended. Psalms 103 verse 8. Remember uh, Mylon mentioned we're to be an imitator of God. Well this is who he is. So we need to be like this too. And his love is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. We have his fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit within us. He never gives us an instruction to do without giving us the grace to do it. He said my commandments they are not too hard for you. Yes. He said, they're not too difficult for you because he put 
His grace, I'm sorry, his grace, his empowerment, his ability within you. We can do all things through Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, which strengthens us, and that anointing abides in us. So we can be an imitator of him. The Lord is merciful. That means we can be merciful. Amen. The Lord is gracious. We can be gracious. I know Pastor Erica did a Gracious Woman Bible study. Yeah. That was a book that I wrote for women last year. And that was, for me, my testimony. I thought I had to fight to get respect. And that deception almost caused us to end in a, in a divorce. <clears throat> and I had to learn God's way, God's higher way. I really thought if I don't demand respect, I'm not getting it. If I don't fight to get the last word, I'm going to get walked on. My experience had been with a lot of uh, controlling, domineering men in my growing up years. And I had determined and made a vow, no man is going to tell me what to do. No man is going to control me. And so I took that into the marriage. And I didn't even know that I was contentious until I got married. <laughs> didn't even know it until I began contending for control. Contending to have the last word. And the contentious woman, Proverbs says it's better to live on a housetop alone, exposed to all kinds of weather, than to live in a palace with a contentious woman. And the Lord had to show me, this is not the way for you to have a voice. I told you in Proverbs eleven sixteen, he instructed me, a gracious woman gains respect. The definition of graciousness is kind. It means being friendly. It means being a giver, not a taker. A gracious woman gains respect. I learned that when I would walk, simply walk in graciousness. If I would learn to make gracious choices, then respect was guaranteed. And he proved that to me in business. When I was young, I was the, only, I was the youngest one there at the time, the only Christian in the place. And he proved to me that if I would make gracious choices, then that respect was granted. And so I want to encourage you ladies. I'm not just talking to the ladies here. I don't want you to feel like I'm picking on you, but I'm telling you my testimony because it almost cost me my marriage, my fight for my rights. And love didn't, does not God's love does not insist on its own way, and it doesn't insist on its own rights. And I had to let the Lord teach me and show me his higher way. And I have to tell you, the freedom that came to my life, such joy, such peace, I realize now, now let me say this, when it comes to graciousness, it's for men too. Sure. Because Jesus, it says Jesus spoke gracious words that caused them to marvel. Mm. The only other place in the word that I could find where they marveled was over his miracles. So the other place they marveled was he spoke graciously. He spoke kindly. And he is the king of kings and the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
He's as tough as it gets. So I'm not, when I talk about graciousness, I'm not talking about weakness. Gracious men and women are strong men and women. And also another aspect of graciousness is gentleness, being gentle. He said, my yoke is easy. He said, learn of me. This is Jesus talking. Learn of me, for I am gentle. I am humble. Yeah. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen. He wasn't fighting for his rights. He wasn't putting them in their place. He wasn't telling it like it is. He wasn't saying, don't mess with me. I'll show you. That was not his attitude at all. No. And it shouldn't be ours. And so we can do this. And I want you to know, go ahead, honey. Well, if there is a fight that's worth fighting, the Bible says it's the fight of faith. Amen. And he says that we're not doing battle against flesh and blood. Right. People are not my problem. Yeah. But we good. are doing battle against great powers and principalities in the unseen world and rulers of darkness. We're doing battle. Yeah. We're in a war. Yeah. Even on your good days, you're in a war. When it's easy, you're still having a spiritual warfare going on. But thank God our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God. They're not, I don't argue and fight against people and scream and holler and throw things and threaten to shoot them. That's the carnal mm-hmm. warfare. What I do is I take the word of God and I believe it. Therefore, it gives me authority. And so I speak it and I decree it. and It becomes established. Mm-hmm. And what I bind on earth is bound in the heavenlies according to God. So if something's going wrong, I can either ignore it and act like it's not going on. That doesn't help any. Or I can do what the Bible says and I can bind it. The problem is sometimes we want God to bind it. We think if we pray in the Holy Ghost a while, maybe he'll take care of it. No, he, mm-hmm. he's not going to do anything he told you to do. Yeah. If he told you to forgive somebody, there isn't any way out. You're either going to do it. There isn't, there isn't anywhere in the Bible where God said, would you please pray about this? Or would you think of, would you get the deacons together and vote on this? Or how do you feel about this? God is the commander of heaven's armies. He doesn't, he doesn't negotiate. He only gives commandments. So when we read the word of God, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. All that matters is, are you going to do it or not? Mm-hmm. Do you love him enough? Jesus said this. This is, this is so, I mean, some people thought this is mean. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He said in another place, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And then refuse to obey me. Because I'm not your Lord. If you won't obey, if I don't obey Jesus, I'm the Lord of my life. He's my Savior, but I'm the final word. I do what I think is best. That's why he said, don't lean on your own understanding. If I do what he said to do, he's my Lord. The Lord is the final authority. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Nobody higher. Nobody has more authority. That's what releases his power in my life and through your life and into your marriage. And amazing, listen, there's a reward for this. He is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. There's a reward. What is that reward in a marriage? Mm -hmm. I would not stand up here and tell you I have a great marriage if I didn't. I promise you I wouldn't do that. This ain't my job. I don't need the money. I'm a very blessed man. 
I need money only to do what God tells me to do. But as far as I don't want, you know, I don't have anything I want to buy. I'm content. I love the life God has given me. What's amazing about a good marriage is if you get along with each other, your prayers get answered quickly. That is worth a billion dollars. There's nothing worse than praying and nothing ever happening. And that's what happens when you're in strife. But if I respect God enough to do whatever he tells me, it proves to him. He, he said it this way. He said, you honor me and I'll honor you. You do what I ask you to do and I'll put my power into your life and everybody else will know that we have a special relationship. And he will do that for you. He's no respecter of persons. Yeah, amen, that's good. Thank you, baby. Um, and so Proverbs, let me give you some more scriptures on this. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. People with understanding control their anger. A yeah. hot temper shows great foolishness. Yeah. Whew, that's a good one. Uh, James 1, 19. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and to get angry. John, James 1.19 in the Amplified, that's good. that's good. And so here's where I want to encourage you. And, you know, because when I got married, I didn't think I had a bad temper because I would not holler and cuss you out. But what I would do, and, and you can hear my soft voice, so even if I try to holler, it's not hollering, right? <laughs> so, um, but um, what I would do is I'd get real short, real quick, and sarcastic. Okay, so I just didn't think that was that bad, right? So in Psalms 59.7, this resolved it for me. It calls, it calls it swords of sarcasm. And what the Lord taught me is when we're sarcastic, it's just as piercing to that person as if you had hollered or cussed yeah. him out. And so I had to get my mind renewed. Here's what's happening right now. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be like the world. Yeah. They're fighting for their rights. They're cussing people out. They're putting them in their place. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But be transformed. Mm -hmm. Be changed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's what's happening right now. Your mind is being renewed yeah. to the word of God, to his wisdom, so that you will learn what is the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Yeah. Now, that's what we all want, right? The good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God, that's where holy matrimony is. That's where the blessed life is. That's where the favor is, the joy, the peace. It's right there, walking in the perfect will of God. So right now, I believe our minds are getting renewed. So I had to get my mind renewed to the word of God and learn God's higher way. And here it is in James 3, 14 through 18. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Pure. Then it is peace-loving. You mean I'm not putting them in their place? No, it's peace-loving. It's courteous. That means we have manners. That means things like, you know, being kind to our mate. Please, thank you. Those matter to God. Amen. Being courteous, being considerate, being gentle. This is being wise. It is yielding, willing to yield to reason. Now, this is so important. How many of you know once you've lost your temper, you are unreasonable? 
That, I know that's I a am. nice word for stupid. <laughs> when I get really mad, I am stupid. I have never done anything wise when I'm really, really mad. I mean, I'm just, I, I always have to ask God to forgive me. And then he'll tell me to go ask somebody else, usually her. So it's a lose-lose. It's just not a wise thing to do. Temper is a bad, bad thing. Um, she will. said, it's willing to yield to reason. Yeah, did so we not good. have, did we not send you that one? Um, it is James 3.14 in the Amplified. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, I want you to see how important this is. It's willing to yield to yield reason. To reason. Mm-hmm. And, and reason okay. is, you know, the Bible says, this will replace arguments. Come let us reason together. Yeah. That's, That's much good. better than fussing each other out and accusing each other and, and mm-hmm. discouraging each other. To come reason together, uh, real wisdom is willing to yield. It's full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned. It's free from, free from doubts, wavering and insincerity. Mm-hmm. This, this is an amazing thing. Yielding to reason, you know, the, there's one scripture we quote a lot of times when we're in church. We grew up in church or we've been Christians a long time. How to resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But the beginning of that sentence says, submit yourselves unto God. Yeah, that's good. Then if you resist it. But if you don't submit yourself to God, you can resist the devil all he wants. He ain't fleeing. He's just, he just having a party at your house. <laughs> but if we'll yield to reason... This is, this is where the wisdom comes from. Full of compassion, good fruits, it's wholehearted, strength forward, straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering and insincerity. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, that's awesome. That'll solve a lot of problems. The wisdom from above. Amen. God's wisdom. Amen. And then the next section we want to talk to you about is how to speak words of life. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. You want to do Proverbs 31? Uh-huh. Proverbs 18:21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue Come on. and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So God has given us power in our words and we make a choice whether we speak words of life, which means we speak words that agree with his word. Hmm. His word is life. And by the way, I had... Oh, are you ready? Go ahead, babe. Okay. I need to say this too. So many times when we talked to you earlier about continuing in the word, then you will know the truth, the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're hearing a lot about my truth, your truth, their truth, and there is no such thing. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's only one truth, and it is not relative. It does not change. Because of culture, it does not change because of generations. There's only one truth, and it is the Word of God. And that will also help you settle when you hear the Word that you will uh, be a doer of the Word because you know this is the truth. And when you live your life by it, it will make you free. Amen. 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 Before you go on, Uh I want to emphasize what she just read to you. If you have a pen, piece of paper, please make this note, one note. I would ask you, and obviously it's none of my business. I have no authority in your life, but 
if uh, the Lord, if you believe the Lord sent us to talk to you, I would encourage you to take this sentence and this Proverbs 8.21 and spend some time this weekend alone with God and just ask him about that. Just ask him to reveal what that means. Death and life. We, we, we run over some of these things like they're not important. Death and life yeah. are in the power of the tongue. the tongue. Everybody who has a tongue, everybody wants God to do things, but God said, I've given, we don't have time to put it up. Deuteronomy 30, 19, uh, Moses read the, the, the first five books of the Bible were all they had at that time. He read those to Israel, and in, in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he said, God said, I've set before you life and death, the blessings and the curse. Now choose life. Mm-hmm. See, I grew up thinking God chooses what happens to us. People say, oh, God's in control. Whatever your will is, Lord, whatever. But God said, I've given you a choice. You read my word, you decide and make a choice. How often do you make choices every day? A hundred? Two hundred? How many choices do you make every time the text comes in? Or an email or a phone call? Or We make constant choices. And if we choose life, what does that mean? What does it mean to choose the blessings of God? It means that we make a choice to trust him enough to obey him. Or there's only two things you can do. You can make that choice or you can choose the curse, death, which means I'm going to do what I think is best. I'm going to ignore your word. I'm not letting you tell me what to do because I'm smarter than you, God. So I'm going to figure this out on my own. And according to him, you will choose wrong. You'll make choices that create an opportunity for the enemy to attack you and your family. But the way to fix it and turn it around is it's in the power of your tongue. What you say, and we are called the word, the people I hang out with, it's not a denomination. It's just a bunch of people who uh, were such fanatics about faith and about the word that they just, you know, faith comes by hearing the word. If you if you speak the word all the time and you think the word and you talk the word to your friends and you hang out with a whole bunch of people to do that, they they started calling them the word people, mm-hmm. making fun of them, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, those word people, that's all they, they're a bunch of fanatics. Well, I admit that. I am guilty as charged. <laughs> I am a word guy. And I just think what God said, I've met, listen, Elvis Presley was the biggest star in the world when he cut my song. And he had him send and get me, bring me in there, tell me he's going to record my song. He knew what that was going to do in my life. <laughs> He'd been in a trailer too. He'd been in the army too. And I was in my army greens that day. He brought him in there. I got to meet Elvis Presley when he was the biggest star in the world. And then Johnny Cash and, and then Bob Dylan and Eric Clapton and all four of the Beatles. I toured with the Who and the Rolling Stones and the Grateful Dead and the Almond Brothers and lots of so many interesting people for 21 years. And I met some people that were interesting to talk to. And then I met God. Nobody's in that category. <laughs> he is all alone. But when he says something, pay attention. This is the secret to your success. If you understand what this sentence right here means, you'll meditate on it this weekend. Just say, God, God, please teach me. Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. Show me what that means and how to apply it. I don't want to be religious. I want to, be, I want to do things your way, the way. 
please give me the revelation on this. That will change your life. That one sentence, what you say. Paul said this, and King David, who was a man after God's own heart, said this. I believe and therefore I speak. Paul said, and that is the word of faith which we preach. And that is the word of faith which we preach. We believe God's honest. We believe his word has power. And so we believe our tongues have life in them. And I believe yours do too. That's good. That's good. Amen. And how important that has been in our marriage yeah. to oh, speak those goodness. words of life to each my other. Goodness. When she was talking about us fussing, you know, our, our fusses, we've had some humdingers. Yeah, I'm from Georgia. I'm a country boy, so that, I mean, we've had some hollering. She don't holler very loud. I holler real loud. And when I, and like I said, I'm stupid if I get mad. So I'm slow. I'm pretty patient, but once I lose it, I'm crazy. I'm just, I'm just slap dab stupid. So we've had some real silly, silly contests, and we'd wake up a few days later and realize how destructive and how horrible, and we're, you know, we're, we don't let the sun go down on our anger anymore, but we know that that's bad, but we saw how close, I mean, our marriage almost broke up after a few years. Mm-hmm. And it was over all these issues, and we yeah. had to make a decision. Are we willing to do things God's way, right. or are we going to do it the way right. we saw it modeled when we were kids? Yes. My mom and daddy hollered at each other. Grandparents hollered at each other. That's all we ever saw. We never saw anybody do God's way. We never saw it modeled, and we didn't understand the word, so we didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. We started seeking God together. Lord, we want holy matrimony. We want to get our prayers answered. Yeah. We want to be a blessing to the rest of our family, not just another part of we We want to be part of the solution, not the problem. Mm-hmm. Help us, God. And, and mm-hmm. That's it. Anyway. let me just say publicly, you're the best person I've ever met in my life. Oh, and I yeah. honor you because I respect you so much. Mm-hmm. And part of my job, I don't deserve my wife. She's precious, man. She's so cool. She's so, I mean, she really worked through all this stuff, and, and she was not, pro, she didn't see it modeled either. So she had to go to God to get the answers. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know how to tell her. I told her some of it. I shared some of what I understood, but we've had to go together and seek, but the seekers find. Yeah. God okay. said that. Mm-hmm. So, my job is to, to give her a safe, warm place to develop in, to help create, with God's help, of course, an atmosphere that is conducive for her spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Not to be made in my image, but to be who God wants her to be. She's his daughter. And I, I was praying for her. We, I was praying for her before I met her, and I didn't even know her yet, but I was praying for a wife after the divorce. In 1997, and I was seeking the Lord, and I, I was praying for this certain woman who I didn't know. I, I saw her in the Word. I saw her in Proverbs 31, but I didn't know it was her. I didn't know her name or not what she looked like or anything, but I was talking to God about it. And, and God was, he told me, y'all ever pray? It like we're talking to God every day. We call it prayer. But you don't really, he, he doesn't say much every once in a while. He, he says in his word, but very seldom does he communicate with me. I've never heard the audible voice of God. But there's time when he impresses things on my spirit, and I know it's him. I know him. 
It takes a while to learn that voice, but you, once you learn it, it's really cool. That still small voice, you can't miss it. And he said to me, son, you're asking for one of the best people. You're asking for this amazing person. And, uh, and you got all this baggage in your life. What's she going to get? <laughs> if I give you my daughter, my precious daughter, he said, he said, you're wanting somebody you can call your wife. But I want to remind you, if I give her to you, she's my daughter. And I got a daughter. I knew what that meant. <laughs> I mean, my son-in-law, I love him. He's a good man. But it's a good thing. Because if he ever hit my kid, I'd, I'd have to repent. You know, I mean, that, it would be the next day. When, I don't know if I could get through that. I just don't know if I'm, you know, mature enough to, to let somebody hurt my daughter. Well, he reminded me, don't you hurt mine. If you want my blessings, you be good to my child. Amen. And so all of a sudden, when he gave her to me, that became my ministry. Now, obviously, I'm a minister to a lot of other people, but everybody else's ministry got better when I got it right with her. And so, husbands, our, our goal is to never let them be afraid. It, fear is the opposite of faith. So I have to set up an atmosphere where she never has to be afraid. I mean, the most evil thing I do is make her afraid of me. That's demonic. My goal is for her to, to know that she is protected and that, that I would do anything to take care of her. And she's safe. And she can be like Jesus and she can be whoever he wants her to be. I am not trying to change her. That's his business and her business. I'm praying for her. I believe in her. And I'm going to give her every, every, everything that I can do to help, to give her every opportunity to do what God puts in her heart. That's, that's his business. She's his child. First, she's my wife's second. Go ahead. I need and you to know, that. wives, the, the area that I saw that also completely changed our marriage was this verse. Proverbs 31.12 says... Um, and you, we all know the Proverbs 31 woman, right, ladies? That's our standard. Amen. Do you ever read it and go, oh, my goodness, how did she do it, right? <laughs> By the grace of God, we can do this. Hallelujah. So Proverbs 31, 12 says she comforts, encourages, and does him, referring to her husband, does him only good as long as there is life within her. That's all she does is comfort, encourage, and do him good. Good. And so one of the areas that the Lord showed me is that I needed to use my words to build him up. Because he had been through a horrible divorce, he was still, there were still areas of healing that <clears throat> needed to take place. And so I was praying for him. Wives, we need to pray for our husband. Yes. I know that's so simple, but it's profound. It's a, it's it a role that we play in their lives is to pray for them spirit-led prayers because you know them better than anyone else other than God. So as I was praying for him one day, and by the way, you're more anointed for your mate than anyone else on the planet. Yes. And so as I was praying for him, the Lord spoke to me and said, he needs to hear these three, these three things. I need you to speak it to him. Number one, I love you. That's so simple. 
but God is love. When we affirm, I love you, we release him into that situation. That's right. I love you. I'm in agreement with you. He had been hearing just the opposite in his previous marriage. And the third thing is you're anointed. He was hearing you're crazy. He needed to hear, no, I back you, you're anointed. Now, the first time that I said those three things to him, I love you, I'm in agreement with you, and you're anointed. Immediately, he started uh, weeping. Now, all the men in here know what that means. That's not normal for you guys. At that point, it's, it was spiritual. And when I ministered those words to him that I received from the Lord, there was healing that took it place. It changed my whole life. I mean, I'm 6'2 and 210 pounds, and I consider myself, uh, you know, not a wimp. But that day, I wept for two hours. I couldn't stop. Something broke. Yeah. A curse broke over me. The tongue has the, the power, power of life. Yes. And I didn't, I knew that. I knew it said that, but I'd never experienced it. But I had been married for a lot of years, and, and my confidence had got, every time, you know, I got born again, but we used to, in my first marriage, I was in a rock and roll band, I told you. Sometimes we'd be on the road for 18-month tour. When I was 24 years old, 23 years old, and I'd go out on, and be gone around the world. At, and so basically we had a relationship where it was basically love the one you're with. You know, if I was in Japan, I was just free to do what I wanted to do, and she was, could do what she wanted to do. Well, I got born again. I didn't want to, get, I didn't want to sleep around anymore, and I didn't want her to either, but that was not my decision. I could only control what I do. You can't control anybody else. You cannot govern someone else's spiritual relationship. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you beat each other up verbally, basically you're, you beat each other's self-esteem down. You take their confidence away. Every time, if I wanted to tithe instead of go to the mall, there was an argument about it. If I wanted, I was stupid for doing that. I was wasting our money, you know. Or if I... Everything when I didn't want to buy dope anymore with our money. Well, obviously she didn't like that decision, and but it was my fault. It wasn't her fault. I was the head. Of, I didn't know what the head of the home meant. I never heard that scripture before, but I had led the home into that direction and it had gotten in that mess, and it wasn't her fault. It was mine, and it was one of those things I didn't know what to do about. But according to this word, I mean these. Uh, what Christy told me sort of broke all those she made fun of every decision. Anytime I was wrong, I never heard the last of it. And that's exact. that is one of the most, that's what the devil does to people. Yeah. And if we use our tongue to do it too, that's demonic. Mm -hmm. My job is to build her the, right. by Ephesians 4 says God gives apostles, prophets, teachers, priests, and evangelists. And they're anointed to build up the body of Christ. If I'm going to build up the whole body of Christ, that'd be crazy not to build her up first. Mm -hmm. If I can build her yeah. self-esteem, build her confidence, she can be all she can be. God loves that. He loves being good to his baby. He loves being good to somebody being good to his child. When we're good to each other and we build each other up, we use yeah. our tongues. I mean, it broke in me that day, but 
it was so subtle. I didn't realize how many years that had been going on, how beat down I was mentally. And it just broke. It just, the anointing destroyed the yoke and removed the burden off of my life. I could breathe again, man. It was good. It was good. And so I encourage you ladies to ask the Lord those words that your husband needs to hear. You know, for me, the Lord specifically said he needs to hear this, especially before he goes into the pulpit. So especially before your husband goes out the door to work every day. What words of life can you minister to him? And vice versa, husbands to wives also. Mylon and I do this for each other. When he's got a huge decision to make, this is what I pray, Proverbs 16.10. Divinely directed decisions are on the lips of the king. And, you know, we're called to be king, priests and kings of our God. And his mouth should not transgress in judgment. So when I know we're praying together in agreement concerning a major decision, and I know that the anointing is on him to lead in that, what I say to him, I pray this, but I also say it to him. I say, on your lips are divinely directed decisions. And in your judgment, you do not transgress. And God has honored that. Every single time. It's his word. This was his idea. Yeah. That means you don't have to talk him into it. These are his promises that he gave to you, and he backed it by the blood of Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. So we can finish up with this, if you think. I don't... First Peter, you want to um, go there? I just want to say that... This one thing we're talking about right now can turn a good marriage into a great marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we say to each other is so important. Sometimes people get mad and they say really harsh, mean things. And later on they say they don't mean it. But the Word says they did. The Word says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth Mm -hmm. speaks. If they said it, it was in their heart. So the truth is we need to get things like that out of our heart. And the only way to do that is called forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And Jesus didn't ask us to do it. He commanded us. He actually said, if my, if in uh, Mark the 11th chapter, he said, when you stand praying, forgive. Because unless you forgive everybody of everything, my Father will not forgive you. Mm-hmm. Now that's, a, that's a scary scripture. I mean, I don't want to be standing there asking God to forgive me and him say, no, you won't forgive everybody else. That's what Christianity is. Jesus started off. He did everything perfect. And he said, now you be like me. Be my disciples. Follow me. Do things my way. Learn the way. Talk like me. Think like me. Act like me. React like me. Sin, then that'll give everybody else a chance I gave you. You got to start over? Let them start over. I gave you mercy? Give them some mercy. I forgave you. You know you don't deserve it. You don't have to only forgive people who deserve it. Mm-hmm. What if we only forgave people who came and humbled themselves? Now, oh, please forgive me in Jesus' name. Wouldn't that be? That'd be, make it easier to forgive them. But we got to forgive the people who did it yesterday. They're going to do it again tomorrow. That's what he said to do. Forgive everybody. Is that possible? Again, some of us don't do it because so many other Christians don't. So we, we think it's okay not to forgive. No, it's not. It's a sin. Anytime you disobey God, that's what sin is. 
God said, forgive them. We got to forgive them. All of them. Now, we don't have to trust them. We only have to give honor where it's due. We don't have to honor them if they're dishonorable. We don't have to believe them if they're liars. But we do have to forgive them. On the other hand, we don't need to hang out with them. You know, if you go into a guy's dog, uh, uh, go, go into a guy's yard and his dog bites you, and you go there tomorrow and his dog bites you again, you go over there every day and his dog bites you every day you go there, I got a word from God for you. Stay out of that sucker's yard. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Don't be a doofus head. He likes his dog more than he likes you. And it don't matter if he's your brother or your daddy or your grandma. It doesn't matter if you're kin to them. It don't matter who they are. If they like their dog more than you, you can need to love them from your house. You don't need to go in that yard anymore. That's not wise. And then will they make you feel guilty and persecute you and lie about you? Yeah. But that has nothing to do with whether you should do it or not. We should be affected by what God says, not what anybody else says or does. Listen, We've been sitting here a long time, and I'm not through yet. I got a little. I got another page, and, but I want you to stand up, please. Can everybody stand up for a minute? Just sort of stretch a little bit, and um, if you need to run to the bathroom, this would be a good time. But I, I hope you don't, because we're about done. But I don't want you to go to sleep on me, because <laughs> this is. We're about to read the scriptures. Uh, in a couple of places in the Bible, it talks about what husbands should do and what wives should do. And I really want you to get that part because it's coming up. And I will, prob- I will promise you I will try to go quickly. Will you help me? Oh, I'll try. And then we want to let you ask a couple of questions. Well, I'll go get some sleep. Is that cool? Yeah. Are you, are you, did you stretch yeah, a little bit? You, you ready to go a couple more rounds? <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. How's it okay, get comfortable? Okay, good. All right, we're getting there, people. We're getting there. That's right. We're getting Amen. there. Amen. We're gonna. Uh, my wife is gonna tell you something that happened that we did that was silly. We went on a. We were preaching in Salt Lake City, and mm. the next week we were in Salt Lake City, Utah, one weekend, and the next week we were in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And so we had been to Jackson Hole a bunch of times, and we liked to ski. So we took our skis to Utah and drove them around all weekend so that we could go over and spend the week in between the weekends on vacation. Somebody at the Jackson Hole offered us a condo they owned free. It was right on the mountain, ski and ski up. And so we, it took all day to get there, but we got there late that evening, and uh, they wouldn't let us on the first flight. It's a long story, but they finally let us on the. So we, we got into to the town of Jackson Hole, Wyoming at dark, and it was late, and we had to get a rental car. It was about nine o'clock, wasn't it? Nine or ten, because by the time we got the grocery store, it was midnight. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we had been fasting and praying, and we were going to have a vacation. So we wanted to pray and just take advantage of the time, be still, and be alone have a little honeymoon, you know? So, won't you tell us? You're quicker than me. Okay. Well, so we're in the grocery store, and we're so excited because we've decided we're going to break our fast, right? So, we're getting, you know, everything that we hadn't been able to eat for the last few weeks. We're, we're filling our basket with chips, popcorn, lots of good stuff. And so, I go to him, and I say, how about 
we bake a cake and we'll do your favorite. We'll bake the yellow cake with the chocolate icing. And he said, yeah, let's do it. So we go to the cake pan aisle and you know, we're just going to use a mix. So I grabbed the mix and the frosting, but I realized we're going to this condo and I don't know what kind of cake pans they have. So I better go ahead and grab some just in case. So he's with me and I bend down and I grab the, the three nine inch round. So I'm holding them up. Well, he bends down, he grabs the nine by 13 pan. So we're standing in the aisle looking at each other and I looked at him and I said, no, no, because this is the way my mom made it. You got to do the three nine inch rounds because there's icing in between every layer. When you get it all iced, it looks pretty, right? Right, ladies? <laughs> well, him being, you know, being... In her mind, if it's not round, it ain't a cake. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm thinking... We ain't taking pictures. We're eating the sucker. We're not going to eat it all. If we eat the whole thing, we'll be too fat to ski. So we're just going to eat a little bit. I'm thinking, why buy three pants when you can only buy one and just right. put a little ice on it? We're going to throw it away anyway. You know? Right, right. So we thus no began way. the discussion. Okay, so we go, we start going back and forth about the size of the cake pan, right? Well, it gets now in the midst of this, I decide. Now, this is when I was still learning um, how to <laughs> choose wisely, make better choices. And I decided I'm not losing this one. I, I really, I thought to myself, I'm not losing this one. So I thought, why does he care? He's not going to be in the kitchen helping me make this. Why does he even care, right? So we keep going back and forth. And it gets so heated that a guy comes down the aisle, hears us arguing, turns around and goes the other direction. That's how heated it got. Well, I didn't see the guy because I've got my back turned. So Mylon, he sees him and he realizes we're preaching here this Sunday, right? What if this guy's going to be at church on Sunday and sees us here in the grocery store, store arguing? So he stops and he goes, okay, Christy, you win. And I remember going, yes. Okay. <laughs> So we go to the condo. Now we're over a little fuss, right? We're laughing. We got the movie going. We got popcorn going. We're having fun. So the oven ringer goes off. I pull out the cakes and they are flat. They're completely <laughs> flat. And so I tell him and he uh, says, well, Christy, just put them in the oven longer. Maybe they just need more time. So I put them in longer. I pull them out and now they are burned and flat. So he comes in the kitchen. They look like the dark side of the moon. It was <laughs> horrible. It was awful. They were just burned. So he comes into the kitchen because now he was excited about having this treat, right? And now it looks like he's not going to get to. So he comes in there. And he said, Christy, are you sure you read the directions? And I said, honey, it's a mix. You know, I'm not a gourmet chef, but I can handle a mix. <laughs> Right? Well, I thought so. So I turn the, the back of the box and I start reading. And in fine print at the very bottom, it says, now I told you Jackson Hole, right? We told you Jackson Hole. It says in fine print, for high altitudes, do not, oh no, it says only, I'm sorry, all caps, only use the three nine inch round pans. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm telling you wrong. I, I just got it mixed up. You got it Do backwards. not use. It only, only use the rectangular 
I'm sorry. No, I'm do 13. not use the three nine-inch round pants. Right. There it is. Yeah. Do not use all caps. Now, immediately, he starts rejoicing, right? <laughs> and, then, and then it goes further and says, only use, there it is, the 13 by nine inch round pan. <laughs> so I tell you what, it, he was doing his happy dance and then he looked at me and went, yes. <laughs> so I realized if I had just preferred my husband, right, we went back and forth on that and I was determined to have the last word, right? I was determined to have that last word. But if I had just preferred him, then I could have had my cake and eaten it too, right? So we didn't even get to eat the cake that night. So anyway, just so you know, we've been there, done that. And I tell you what, that, I learned that lesson. I remember I went to him. I was so embarrassed. And I remember just saying, Lord, please forgive me. How petty that was. I was determined to have my say, right? I was going to fight for my rights to get the cake pan size that I wanted. <laughs> and so I asked the Lord to forgive me, and I asked the island to forgive me, and we just, we laughed. But I never forgot that lesson to prefer, the importance of preferring one another. We're Amen. a good team. Mm -hmm. She is so different, her, where she came from, and we're so different from each other, but we're yeah. really strong together. She's smarter than I am. She is so good at so many things that I'm not good at. And I'm good at some things she's not good at. And together, we're really a strong team. If we just flow together in the Holy Ghost and yeah. have peace. The Prince of Peace wants us to have peace. Yeah, and we're yeah. always better when we're at peace. We're always better when... When we uh, take our time, if I think, if I feel really strong about a decision and we're not in agreement, then we don't, we put it off. I don't give any money unless she's in agreement to anybody. I don't, I don't do things that will affect the kingdom that she's not in agreement with. But every once in a while, we'll, there's a window of opportunity. And when that window starts closing, we kept praying. If we're not in agreement, we'll just pray some more. We'll seek God. Yeah. He'll either change my mind or hers, and we'll get in agreement. It always happens. But every once in a while, you run out of time. Mm -hmm. And somebody has to make a decision. And at those points, I am the head of the home. Now, that doesn't mean that I control her or dictate to her anything. I am not her dictator. I'm her leader. Yeah. I yeah. have a we're going to read the scripture about this, so we'll discuss this. You can ask questions if you want to, and you may disagree. But I believe that I have a responsibility to stand before God as Christ is the head of the church. I'm the head of, of our home. And so I have a responsibility not to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. That authority is a trust from God, and it's an honor. And therefore, I've learned that if I don't go against her, I'm a whole lot safer. I've got a, a much better chance of being right. And then life gets better. You know what's a real waste is to have to make a wrong mistake and then have to fix it. We spend so much time praying and believing and fixing stuff. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to fix it? And when the Holy Ghost is in control, He never tells you to do something you've got to fix later. It's always perfect when you do it His way. So we submit one to another. It's yeah. under the Lord, and that's what this is about. Let me read this scripture to you. We're about finished. In the same way, this is uh, 1 Peter 3 and 7, if you want to put that up. Awesome. Thank you so much. In the same way you married men. So obviously I'm talking to the guys. Yeah. 
should live considerately with your wives with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation honoring the woman as physically the weaker. Now, that's not always true, but sometimes. But realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace that is God's unmerited favor, the grace of life. You're joint heirs. You're going to inherit. You're joint heirs actually with Jesus Christ. This is another scripture. You're going to inherit what Jesus gets from his father. He inherits from God. You're joint heirs. You're going to inherit that too. And a part of the way we inherit it is by being one, mm-hmm. by not being separate, by not being divided, by being one. Mm-hmm. So he says, you are joint heirs of the grace of life in order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. Mm-hmm. This, this thing, this marriage covenant that we have of being good to each other, of being Christ-like, to, we are the Christians. That's what Christians are. And Christ, by the way, is not God's, Jesus' last name. Christ in the original Greek where it was written means the anointed one. The anointed one and his anointing. In other words, when it says through Christ, I can do all things through Christ, the anointing, the anointed one and his anointing, which strengthens me. So when we look at the anointing, it allows us to be able to do things we couldn't do before that cause our prayers to become effective. That means now we're talking about the power of God. Three years ago, they told me I had cancer. And they did all kinds of tests. And they, you know, they run, they did, chemo, they did uh, what did they do? Radiation. They did all kinds of stuff. But the bottom line is, I'm doing great. You know why? Not because the doctors did great, because God is honest. And by mm-hmm. His stripes I was healed. Thank and I really believe that. Mm-hmm. And so I spoke to my lungs, and I demanded that they, I demanded that cancer die and get out of my life. And you know mm-hmm. what made it happen? Not me. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just used the recipe and baked the cake. <laughs> I did exactly what my prayers became effective. And in yours will too, they become more effective when we do this for each other. Go ahead, my love. That's right. Mutual honor. I think it's so important that there be mutual honor for each other. Um, you know, Mylon and I know that we need each other. You yeah. know, it, what's amazing is our strengths and weaknesses perfectly complement each other. Where I'm weak, he's strong, and vice versa. And we both understand that. And God designed us to be a Holy Ghost team for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it's a wonderful gift. Both of us, um, I am still in awe. I never even knew you could love. The love that we Mm -hmm. have, it's greater than any love I've ever known other than my love for Jesus. And he is the most wonderful man I've ever known. And I'm very thankful for him. He is a gift. He is my good and perfect gift from God. And so that treasure, treasuring each other, much of that, even if you have to speak those words by faith, that's how God does things. That's how we started doing it. It is. You speak the things that are not, this is in Romans, as though they were. That's how God, he's our example. When When it was dark, he said what? Let there be light. That's right. So we speak the things that are not as though they they were. 
So when we speak the promises of God over our mate, over each other, what are you believing for? That's what you need to be mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. And when you speak God's word into that situation, his power will back it. And, and, and that's me, when you see change. Yeah. Amen. Let me say God wants you, if you're married, to be best friends. Yes. He Amen. doesn't, he's a, he doesn't want my best friend to be some guy I ride motorcycles with or that I went to school with or I was in the army with. This is my best friend. Other than Jesus Christ, this is the one that I'm in covenant with. Yeah. I don't have a covenant with everybody. I got a lot of good friends, mm -hmm. good people, love Jesus. But I got a covenant with God and I got a covenant with her. I stood before him and he said, let no man put this relationship asunder. Mm -hmm. This is forever to death do us part. Yeah. And that covenant that God, that we, we took communion over mm -hmm. when we got born again and when we got married that day. Mm -hmm. And they laid hands on her and anointed her for ministry to join me in ministry. Something holy happened. Something came from the throne room of God into our lives. If I were you, I'd go home tonight whenever you go home, and I'd get my, you know, communion is no, God's not legalist. You don't have to have grape juice and, and a cookie. You know, you can, have a, you can have a Ritz cracker and a glass of water. I mean, God doesn't care. All, we, all he cares about is we do these things in remembrance of what he did, mm -hmm. what he accomplished when his body was broken. What he accomplished when his blood was poured out for us. And we were cleansed from all unrighteousness. And I would just solidify, we now have, from this day forward, we burned the past. Mm -hmm. It's over. Every wrong word we said, every mistake we made, we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who hadn't? Only Jesus. So there's no shame anymore. It's under the blood. Jesus said, forget the past. If you will obey him and forget the past, then the past won't get in tomorrow mm -hmm. and mess up tomorrow like it did yesterday. But that's up to you. And if you won't forgive and forget like he commanded, it wasn't a suggestion. He said, forgive them. Forgive each other. That's the way you start over. And at that point, heaven is awaiting. Heaven is available. On earth as it is in heaven is available in your marriage. We don't have, you know, I mean, we just, we're a book about this subject we've been working on for a year. It's called, uh, what'd you call it, baby? The honeymoon is over, now what? <laughs> it's a handbook on holy matrimony. And that's what, you know, when they're throwing the rice on you, everything's great, man. You're getting in a limo, they got the cans on the back of the car, and and all the fun <laughs> stuff, the rose petals and, you know, the candles are burning. Everybody's happy. The reality is that almost 60% of the marriages, I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church, end in divorce. 60%. That ought not to be, but I contributed to that number. So I can't find fault with anybody else. It's a horrible thing. We can fix this. We can stop this now. We can have holy matrimony. It's real. It and is. It's realistic. I mean, it's fun to serve God. We have been apart. We've been apart one night in 24 years. Mm -hmm. And we learned that night. She went to a ladies' meeting without me. And uh, we, we decided the next day we wouldn't do that anymore. 
Uh, I'm going to ladies' meetings in the future. <laughs> I am. That was the decision I made. I'll be her roadie. I'll carry her Bible. I'll do whatever I got to do, but I'm going to that lady. If she's going, I'm going. I'm her servant, and, uh, and she's going for me if I'm, if I'm going to a men's meeting. And I had a, big, I had a pastor of a huge church up north invite me to do a men's meeting and told me I couldn't bring my wife. And I said, I'm not even praying about that. I already did. <laughs> That's not a problem. Y'all go ahead and have a good time. I love you. I'll be praying for you. But I'm not. And he thought I was kidding, but I wasn't. I'm not going anywhere. We are one. Mm-hmm. We're one flesh. Yeah. And my marriage is more important than, than money mm-hmm. or success right. or anything else the world has to offer. My marriage is, my, my ministry, everything that, that goes out from us starts here. Yeah, this right. relationship, this is the first one, this is the second one. And by the way, kids don't come first. You can't let mama come first. Mm-hmm. This has got you leave and cleave. You can't cleave to each other if you don't leave. If your parents have more influence in your life than your husband or your wife, that's a recipe for disaster. If there's anybody you trust more than your wife other than Jesus or your mate, that's dangerous and that needs to be fixed. Or, or there's a crack in the marriage, so that, that's dangerous. Ahead, That's brother. right. And so I want to talk to wives for just a minute and then, and then don't worry, he'll get to the husbands. <laughs> um, in Proverbs, uh, well, actually let's start. Um, yeah, let's start with Proverbs. Proverbs 14, one, I'm going to go here briefly. Just the anointing available to us women. Every wise woman builds her house. But the, notice he didn't even mention the men here. Every wise woman builds her house. But the foolish one tears it down with her own hands. And we've been talking about words, the power of words. And you know, girl power, that's such a popular saying right now. And, and for the first time ever, I've ever seen, it really is a woman's world. So according to the word here, every wise woman, God has given us the power, girls. So are we going to use it to build our home? Or are we going to use it to tear it down? Mm. And you tear it down by foolish choices, foolish actions, words. Now, when I say foolish, I'm not talking about if you're ignorant or it actually, the commentary on this says the word fool in the Old Testament seldom, if ever, is used to describe the feeble-minded, imbecile, or terms like idiot or moron. It's It's not referring to that. In Proverbs, when it refers to the foolish, it's referring to the meaning of a rebel, those who are in rebellion to God's word. So this is saying the one who rebels against God's law, against God's word, that's the woman that tears down her, own, her home with her own hands. Yeah, that's true. And so there's another, um, in the Passion Translation, I really like that one. It says, every wise woman encourages. We've been talking about the power of the tongue. Every wise woman encourages and builds up her family. But a foolish woman, over time, will tear it down with her own actions. Mm. Praise God. That's powerful. You know, I like to say, 
Be submissive and adapt yourself to your own husband. This isn't to men in general. This is to your own husband as a service to the Lord. We do this for Jesus. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot, lot of time on this verse because, ladies, I know this is just our favorite verse, isn't it? <laughs> in the Bible. <laughs> I can't believe you guys, you girls aren't smiling. You know, this, is, this was not my favorite. Let me, I'll put it on me. This, when I read this verse, this was not good news. This was not, I thought, Lord, the, the word's supposed to be good news, right? This is not good news to me. So, but what he helped me to see is that word submit means adapt. I love this version. Adapt yourself to your husband and do it as a service to me. Do it for me, Christy. That helped me too. Do it for me. And then it says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, himself the savior of his body. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject or adapt in everything to their husbands. So again, we're talking about order in the marriage. And when there's proper order, the anointing flows. Psalm 133 says, the oil flows from the throne room and then it came on the head and then it came on the beard and then it consecrated the whole body. It's the same in the marriage. When there's proper order in the marriage and I am submitted and adapt to Mylon as the head, mm -hmm. which means he leads. He does not control. He does not dominate. He leads spiritually and he washes me in the water of the word. We're going to get there in a second. So as I adapt to his leadership then the anointing flows. And here's what I found is when I got that in right order and honored his leadership, when I did that, my prayers, personal prayers and dreams started coming true. You know, it was powerful and I don't have time to go there because we've already gone a long time, but I just need you ladies to know there's great reward in obedience to this. I am never talking, please let me clarify, you have to clarify these days. I am not talking about adapting to abuse of any kind. No. I am not talking about adapting to being dominated or controlled in any way. That is not what God or has for... Or led into sin of any kind. Right, or sin, right, or being led into sin of any kind. That's right. As you know, that verse in First Peter that just talked about it said it, the Lord actually warned husbands and said, husbands, treat your wives right. They're my daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't treat them right, your prayers are going to be hindered. Yeah. And so, ladies, I just want to encourage you in that. When I made that simple adjustment to honor his leadership, then I, I, I was just in awe of how quickly the dreams that I had, personal dreams like for my home, vacations, dreams, places, places I had always wanted to go, wanted to go. Now, why is that? Because I had been in rebellion to this instruction. And when there's rebellion, that's the same as the sin of witchcraft. And God cannot and will not ever bless that. 
But when I submitted to this instruction and I did it as a service to the Lord, now I'm in right um, in obedience to the word, and now the blessing can flow. Now the anointing can flow, like I talked about with Psalm 133. Go ahead. <laughs> we, uh, I have to be careful about things like this because mm-hmm. when we counsel somebody, that right. has to be between them and God. We mm-hmm. can't ever uh, talk about things like that. But we recently counseled, a couple of years ago, we counseled with a couple And the wife was so talented and so intelligent and so beautiful. She had a lot of things going for her. And the husband was very, very anointed, a minister of the gospel, a preacher of the word. And they were going places. I mean, they were on TV. you, You would know their names probably. And their marriage was in a bad situation. And they reached out to us and we started praying with them and talking to them. And the only thing you can do in that situation is tell them what the Bible said. And you can tell them how it worked for you. Our experience, our testimony should defeat the devil. But they always have a choice to make. And Mm -hmm. what the decision that she made was that he had to adapt to her, not she to him. Mm -hmm. And that marriage was 50-50. If that's true, show it to me in the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's not what it says. I don't know why you know, and if I was a woman, I wouldn't like it, being honest. But what it said was, she was supposed to adapt her life. Well, if she had adapted her life to him, then he got an opportunity to go to a big church up north. I won't tell you what city. You might figure out who it was. And it was a huge church, and he would have been the pastor of that church. And he, would, and he was so anointed. I mean, I heard this guy preach. He is anointed. And she would not leave town because her mom and dad lived here and she wanted to be close to them. And the bottom line is, and I hate to say this, but the, um, it, I mean, when I went into, they asked you to pray for them. I went into my prayer closet. And I don't know what everybody else does, but if I tell somebody I'm going to pray for them, I have a responsibility. And I will stand before God Almighty, whether I'm playing church or whether I'm really doing I mean, he put me on this earth to really do what he said. And so I went in to pray for that couple. And I'm telling you, I just almost got sick at my stomach. I immediately saw what was going on in the spirit realm. And I saw how dangerous it was. And it was so bad that the Lord actually, and I've hardly ever done this my whole life, the Lord told me to warn them, to warn her. Now, that's a heavy word. To say to that young girl, be careful. You want what you want so bad. You're, you're ignoring God Almighty. And yet you, you know him. The Bible says to whom much is, for, is given, much is required. More is required of somebody who understands the word, who know, has the revelation, yeah. who has sold a bunch of records and really told people about Jesus. I mean, they're basically a visual. They're visual. They're, a lot of Christians are watching and it will affect a lot of young people right. that are watching. The decision they made, I asked her, I begged her to be careful, be careful. And to not take him out of the ministry because he wouldn't leave her. But he knew he was called and she would not go. And she demanded that he adapt. So that guy now is, is in a secular job. He's out of the ministry. All the people who 
who will go to hell instead of heaven because they were a part of his assignment. That's a horrible thought. I don't want nobody, you know, God has given us each favor. There are people who listen, you minister, that would never listen to me. There are people who listen to, to, to me that wouldn't listen to Billy Graham. I don't know why that is. Just, it's just everybody has their own flavor. And everybody has influence. And I saw what was happening, and it's pitiful. It's horrible to see what's happening in that relationship. And those are two good, those are not evil people. Those are two good, wonderful people who were precious friends of ours for a lot of years, but we couldn't fix it. We couldn't do anything about it because they made the decision, I don't care what God said, I want to stay close to my mom and daddy. In other words, mom and daddy are more important than God. Instead of leaving and cleaving. Yeah. Right. So the marriage, I mean, they're still living with each other, but they don't like each other. They've lost respect. The romance is gone. They share a house and a car, you know, but they're not sharing. God is love, and that's a pitiful thing to do. And let me, let me clarify this, too. When I talk about submission, the Word does say we're to submit one to another. So what, but and as long as I was in rebellion to this command from the Lord, Mylon could not submit to me. In that state of rebellion, right? He could not submit to rebellion. So when I got this right with the Lord and my attitude right and my heart right, well, now we submit one to another all the time. Actually, you you make most of the decisions. Oh. Because I trust you do that. You're so good at it. Well, we just... I mean, she really does. And, And that's good. And I can totally relax because she submitted to the Lord. I don't have to think about it. I, don't, I just don't even have to think about it. We just, we just flow together, you know. Who cares where you eat? Is it worth arguing over? <laughs> Is it Chinese or Italian? Want to fight over it? <laughs> we'll lose our peace. <laughs> discussion. That's good. But I mean, so that's we live that way. We do. Once this was settled, we submit one to another on yeah. everything. And here's what we found: is if we're not in agreement, we wait. Yeah. We wait until we are in agreement. We pray. We seek the Lord until we get in agreement. So if, but there, if there is a time constraint, then I have given him the final say. That's it. It's that. And by simple. the way, I didn't take it. She gave it to me. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference. That's good. I am the head of the home, of this home, only because she lets me be. She has a choice. What am I going to do, spank her? <laughs> if she doesn't do it, I can't do anything. Not biblically. I can yeah. pray, and I can speak. Here's what the Bible says, baby. You know, it's between you and God, but here's what he said. So that's about all I can do. The reason that we have a biblically correct home is because we both want to do that more than anything else. Yeah, amen. Amen. The other things, they come. If we keep the kingdom first, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of doing, then all these things, things. What, what, is he, what do you want in life? A lot of it has to do with things. They all will be added. 
Either that or God's told a lie. And if he's ever told one lie, he's a liar. But he's never told a lie. And he never will. Praise God. Okay, this is Ephesians 5. This is for husbands. And I got two, <laughs> I got two verses and I'm done. Yeah. Wait, I got one. Does anybody believe that I'm about to quit? <laughs> there was no faith in the house. <laughs> All right, let's read this right quick. Uh, let's see. Oh, I do have to. You're right. Okay. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Now, for some reason, I sent verse 26. You don't have 25, do you? That's pretty goofy. I don't know why I did that. I just found out I did, so I got my phone up here. Here you go. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that... So that he might sanctify her. There's a reason for loving her. He will sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. My job is to wash her with the word of God, to constantly cleanse her, her mind. We we are a spirit, we're made in the image of God who is spirit. And we live in a body, this, for now, we live in this body. When we die, we get a heavenly body. But for now, we live in this body. And we have a soul, which is your mind, your intellect, your will, and your emotions. And the Bible says that you will prosper as much as you, your soul prospers. You will prosper and be in health if you'll let your soul prosper. And all that means is that your mind and will and emotions constantly grow up in God. Mm -hmm. What is it to mean your mind? Well, you read the Word of God, and He said if you'll meditate on it, it'll get in you. It'll go from here to here. You, You come in contact with it, your analytical skills, your comprehensive skills come into play. But the more that you meditate on that day and night, it will get down into your spirit. And Jesus said it's with the it's, it's with the heart that man believes. It's with your inner man. So once your soul prospers and your will becomes pliable to the Lord and we adapt to each other as unto the Lord, then God said that's when prosperity and health comes. So wise, it says um, he might sanctify her, wash her with a word that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such things that she might be holy and faultless. I mean, if we do our jobs, it will take effect. The word will not come back void. If every, my job is to make sure that the word is going on at my house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You don't want to serve the Lord? Don't come to my house. This is serious business. We never had a date. I met her, I was praying for her. When I recognized she was the one, I sat down and we started going to I'd go over to her parents' house. She lived with her mom and dad. And we would talk about the things of God. And we talked about all the things. Having, a, having had a really bad marriage, I talked about all the mistakes. Well, what do you think about it? Here's what God said. What's your attitude about this? What do you think about this? 
We talked and we talked. One day she said to me, can't we ever just go to a movie and go to eat? <laughs> and, and my thought was, no, I'm not going through that again. I am not going to go through the dance and go through the party and then have to face all this stuff. We talked about everything. We settled all the really tough stuff before we got married. It was easy after. There were still some things that had to be settled. I mean, y'all are married, know what I'm talking about. But they're a whole lot easier to do before you marry because you can go home to mama. It's better before the marriage than after the marriage, you know? <clears throat> so we handled the tough stuff, uh, the things that could have affected us in those ways. We tried to handle them all, which was impossible. We handled some of them. It, it says, and this is my last verse, uh, Ephesians 5, 28 through 31. Even so, husbands should love their wives in a sense as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it, as Christ does the church, because we are members are parts of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And that will solve so many problems. In other words, if we really are one, then everything that happens good to her happens to me. If I'm anointed, she's anointed. We share everything, including the things of God. Is that cool or what? Only God would have come up with that. That is awesome. And we get to enjoy those things. And I don't know, I remember... You know, I remember what it's like in that first marriage. And it lasted, by the way, it lasted almost 30 years. And rock and roll, that's like an ancient. But it was a fight. It was a fight constantly. But this has been the most pleasurable. It's been, I mean, God said to pray for heaven on earth. It'd be on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And we've, we have actually experienced some of the foretaste mm. of what heaven's going to be like. Yeah, amen. Awesome. And you know, I want to finish up too. When you go home or when you go to the hotel room, one of the things that we do continually is we take communion together, like he mentioned, but we say these words to each other. We enter covenant concerning the word of God and we take communion over it. Um, And so this last verse in the Amplified is so beautiful, and we'll say this to each other. You know, uh, however, let each man of you without exception love his wife as being in a sense his very own self. And so Mylon will say those words to me. And then it says, and let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband. Now this is uh, that she notices him, regards him, honors him. So what I'll do as we take communion is I say, Mylon, I notice you, I regard you. I honor and prefer you. I venerate and esteem you. I defer to you. I praise you. I love and I admire you exceedingly. Now, I have to tell you, we never get through those verses in Ephesians 5 saying that to each other, entering covenant concerning it, where by the end we're not both in tears. And I mean, you. it's beautiful what the Lord does when you believe his word when you take it by faith and you minister that word to each other and then you enter covenant concerning it it's supernatural what god does but he's done it for us every time it's humbling Amen. it's very humbling yes it's humbling and that's a good thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, we've spent time in, in tears in the kitchen going over stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's good. It's refreshing. It's mm-hmm. like hitting a reset button. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. need to do that. I'm done. It's a miracle. <laughs> now, I want to ask you one question. Does <laughs> anybody have any questions? I'm, please don't ask me about Elvis. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about spiritual things. Does anybody have any question about these scriptures that we've gone over? Is there anybody that doesn't understand them? Or it's okay to disagree. We're not, I'm not God. The Holy Spirit's your teacher, not me. I came here to share some information that I believe God revealed to me, and I think it, I know it helped me. I think it'll help you. But, you know, these things, uh, every preacher, there's not two preachers on earth that preach exactly the same thing or even believe exactly the same thing. The reason we have 15,000 um, denominations, <laughs> denominations mm-hmm. and growing every day is because mm-hmm. Joe doesn't like the way Fred's running the church, and so we yeah. start another one. And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes on forever. And we're not trying to uh, tell you we're right. We're just here to share some information. My encouragement is take the best. What you've got peace about, you know it's God, take that. Mm-hmm. Anything you don't, spit it out. You know, just don't take the best and leave the rest. That's what my pastor told me. (laughs) I think that's good, wise. Anybody got any questions? Please, sir. When did you or or discover this before you got to experience realization that your joy, your joy, your joy comes from the Lord, not from earth. Mm-hmm. To keep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. No. I can't make her happy, you know that. Right. And, you know, and I'm always curious if you collectively realize that. That's good. It is. It's very stressful. Oh, that's a very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. That's because great. God is Question. our source, right? He's the only one who can meet every need. And when Jesus is your first love, you know, and it's only when God is your source alone that you can be a giver in the relationship and not a taker. Because if you're looking to them to meet every need and to keep you happy, then you're not going to be in a giving mindset. You're looking for them to meet your needs. Yeah. And Mylon is as perfect as I think he is, <laughs> and I do. Um, he can't meet every need. And I had, we both had to settle that way up front. I would say that was real early on. Let me put it to you this way. We both loved Jesus before we loved each other, mm-hmm. right? We had already established that Jesus is our first love. And when you settle that and you know that you look, ladies, you look to him to meet every need. Now, when you look to your husband, you're not looking at all the things you want him to fix. You want him to change. Now your mindset is, how can I be a blessing to him today? What can I do to be a blessing? Every day, Mylon and I wake up with that mindset. Galatians says, be mindful to be a blessing. So that means you've got to do this on purpose. So every day, we call it the giving game. We look for ways to give to one another. And what's wonderful is when you're both giving, you both win. 
right? And so every day, that's how we cultivate that. Amen. That's good. Did we answer your question? I think he knew the answer, but yes, that was a great question. Yes, he did, question. but that was a great question. <laughs> Somebody over here had a question. What was it? Somebody over here raised their hand. No? Who was it? Anybody else? Well, um, that's why God said, don't be unequally yoked. And if we do that anyway, if we go, but he's so good looking, and he's got so much money, and he makes me happy, and we have all these reasons for disobedience. But God knows if a guy's got a bad temper. He doesn't want his daughter to wake up one night with the Hulk. You know? He knows what's coming. He knows you can hide it for a while. There are Christian. There are guys who never, who don't, wouldn't know God if he, you know, shook their hand. And yet, if the girl looks good enough to them, they'll go to church with her for a while <laughs> to get what they want. That's not Christianity. That's so. We have to be careful. If, if, um, when somebody that's a senior in college hangs around with a kindergartner too much, we should be suspicious. It's not natural. It's not um, I mean certain people are drawn you now the Bible says deep calls unto deep. And if we're really wise and want iron to sharpen iron, I will go f- I will minister to anybody, but I won't go fishing with anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not listening to an unsaved person use foul language or tell me dirty jokes. I'm not sitting in a boat all day having them lie to me. If they're deceived, they're lying to themselves. I don't want to hear that. And I certainly don't want to hear about all the stuff that, that's gone wrong in their life because it's going to keep happening unless they give their life to Jesus. I will minister to them and I'll love them. But I ain't wasting my time with them. I'm looking for people that are more spiritually alert than I am who can teach me to be more like Jesus. So those are the people I go fishing with. I'm looking for Elijah and Elisha. You know, I want to hang around with somebody serious about Jesus and not play in church because I've been there and done that and don't want that T-shirt anymore. You know? Did that answer it? I think you knew that question too, didn't you? (laughs) Come on, somebody. Give me one more question. We'll go home. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. Uh, and you know that like they've already made it up in their head so there's nothing you can say or do. People who want to I mean, there is only one reason for divorce, and that's if somebody committed adultery, a biblically reason. And even when that happened, and it's happened in a lot of a lot of situations, 
you know, uh, forgiveness is still available. I mean, that would be the mercy of God. God forgave me. Here's what, there's a lot of amazing things about God. To me, the most amazing thing is how patient he is. How many years did he watch me get stoned every day? And what an arrogant, proud fool I was. A liar, an adulterer, a manipulator. I did these things. And I knew that Jesus was the Son of God. I grew up in church. I'd heard, I had heard enough scripture to know right and wrong. And I was under conviction. I wasn't happy living in sin. There wasn't enough dope to drown it or alcohol. And I was constantly under conviction, and yet I continued to do those things over and over and over. And I'd beg God to forgive me. I mean, when the, when the car is spinning around on the ice, even atheists holler, oh, Jesus. You know what I mean? They're, it's amazing how people turn to Jesus. But the only time I turned to him is when I was going to jail. I'd get busted for heroin. I'm going to jail, man. They're going to like you. That pretty boy with that long hair, they're going to like you in jail. You know what I mean? I'd get scared, and I'd be, oh, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. God, forgive me. Get me out of this mess. He knew I was lying. He knew. I, I remember I made the stupid mistake back in the 60s. I hope none of y'all remember this, but back in the 60s, LSD wasn't illegal yet. They hadn't passed the law against it. They didn't know what it was. And a guy named Stanley Owsley was a road manager. He had been a chemist, but he dropped out and became a road manager for the Grateful Dead. And Stanley made these, uh, he would mix up LSD in a bathtub. He'd make a whole bathtub, I mean, liquid Owsley, they called it. And he would dose, when the dead would go into a town, they'd come into Fort Worth, they're Dallas. And they'd get a park permit, and they'd play all day. It'd be hot in the summertime. They'd tour all summer. And all the deadheads would go with them. And, and there was this group of people called, Ken Kesey was a doctor who bought a bunch of school buses, and they panned them psychedelic, and they traveled with the dead, and they were called Kesey's Pranksters. And they would do, dose everybody. They would have free lemonade. Cold lemonade on a hot day. Well, who wouldn't take some of that? The police took it. And they'd be taking their ties off and just dancing around and <laughs> all flowers and knowing, not knowing what hit them. It wasn't illegal. It was a crazy time. And I really thought that, uh, I read that LSD would change your personality. Well, if you don't like your personality, that might be good, right? So that was my thinking. So I took a hit. And I thought, whoa, that was far out. And my stupid redneck way of thinking is if one child of acid is that good, five is going to be real good. Wrong. Really wrong. And you can get uh, in no man's land. And you can't tell right from wrong there. You get so high you don't know, you literally are not uh, capable of making wise decisions. And I said all that to say there is an enemy, man. He is so tricky. He is so sneaky. He is so smooth. And, and these new things come along that are new to us, but they're not new to somebody who's been living thousands of years. The enemy knows how to deceive people. And so many people have decided, you know, they, if they want to get a divorce and they've made up their mind, they're going to do it no matter what God says. There isn't anything you can do for them but pray. But it, once they make that decision... That's their choice. They've chosen the curse. They'll either forgive 
and do it God's way. God's way is always reconciliation, always mm -hmm. redemption, right. always. But there are some people who are not willing to do that, and, and uh, that's why it's so important that we not marry the wrong people. We should marry, if you're a mature Christian, you know where you are with God, then we should marry people that are on that. At least if they're not there, they want to get there. Then they're teachable, it's okay. But somebody who likes the way they are, some people like it in kindergarten. The tests are really easy. All you have to do is keep the crayon between the lines. You win. T stick the round hole and round peg in the round. You win. It's a big test, right? But when you're in physics or calculus, those tests are much more subtle. And we gotta pass it. James said, "Is any among you having trials or tribulations? Rejoice, because it's only the testing of your faith. When it gets really when it really gets hard." God said, it's just a test. Now, the good thing about a test is you can pass it. Yeah. But you can fail it. If you fail it, you remember school? If you fail the test, you're in the third grade again next year. If you fail it next year, you're two times in the third. Come on. But if you, if you want to get your master's degree, you got to pass the test. You got to go to that place in God. We're done. Let's go pray back. for him to pass the test. Please. Amen. Okay. Thank, thank you, you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for this time that we've had together in Amen. your presence. We give you all the glory. Thank we give you, you all the honor thank you, Lord. for all the good things you are doing in thank our you, midst, Jesus. even now, yes. in the hearts and minds of every single person Amen. present. I thank you that truth has been revealed tonight. Thank we you. take authority over every deception of the evil one. We say you are bound in the name of Jesus. We take authority over division and strife. You, you are bound in the name of Jesus. In and Jesus we command name. you to be gone from these marriages now you, in Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. And we speak revelation Amen. of the truth that will set them free and free indeed, free to enjoy Thank heaven you. on earth in Thank their you. home. And we call them blessed. We speak the blessing of the Lord over every person present. And Amen. I thank you, Lord, that from this day forward, it'll be different. Amen. That tonight was a turning point, And they will look back and see that's when it all changed. Yes. That's when it was different. Amen. That's when we came up higher. That's when we began to see the breakthrough. And we call that time now. The yes. time is now. And I thank you, Father, in advance for all the good things you're doing right now, all the good reports that are going to come forth, all the praise reports Amen. that we're going to hear. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, thank you. for your glory being manifest in every single one of these marriages, families, and homes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.